As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of InvestorIdeas.com podcast. In today's podcast, we look at a few private as well as public company announcements, looking at Organogram Holdings Incorporated trading on the NASDAQ and the TSX as OGI, Curaleaf Holdings Incorporated trading on the CSE as Cura and the OTCQX as CURLF, and Pure Extracts Technologies Corporation trading on the CSE as Pull and the OTC as PRXTF. As well as at the end, going to be looking at a few private company announcements, as well as the United States Anti-Doping Agency, which is reported saying that it wants more flexible rules for athletes who test positive for cannabis. So first, starting with Organogram Holdings Incorporated, who announced the results of its third quarter ended May 31st of this year. We're pleased with the growth in revenue in quarter three, as we were better staffed to fulfill the demand for our revitalized product portfolio, which continues to resonate well with consumers, said Paolo DeLuca, Chief Strategy Officer. Now, the ongoing investment in our genetics and cultivation program has yielded some exciting new dried flower products, with more genetics and derivative product launches planned for the near term. And sales are trending higher to date in the fourth quarter, supported by a strong outlook for the industry, as the number of cannabis retail stores continues to grow and existing stores are permitted to reopen their doors to customers. Uh, now, you can read the details attached in the article about the actual uh, financial results, um, but in general, they were quite positive and didn't have the same losses that I think a lot of the market was expecting. And so because of that... Um, the organogram surged over 17%, and according to routers, the healthcare sector added 3.8% on track for its best session in more than a month due to the surge of organogram, or partly in due to that. On the expenses front, we are encouraged by the process we've made in reducing cultivation costs and capturing economies of scale as we ramp up cultivation, says Derek West, Chief Financial Officer. Now, in combination with commercial strategic initiatives, we've also identified a number of additional cost efficiency opportunities focused on enhancing our gross margin profile. And we anticipate starting to see the benefits from these cost reductions during the fourth quarter of fiscal 2021. Um, so if you're paying attention to Organogram this morning, a uh, little bit of a surge, obviously, for them. And that did create a bit of a ripple effect in the market. You saw that a few other cannabis stocks had a little bit of a higher performing day or continue to have a higher performing day um, just on the positive news that you're seeing early on there. And I think that this does show um, something that I've been talking about for a while, which is when you're looking at some of these larger companies in Organogram, for instance, a lot of them have made uh, huge 
cost reductions over the last year and a half. They've really focused on how to be the most effective and efficient companies they can. They've also had a lot more time for research and development and to really understand which of their brands and their products are selling the best and which areas to focus on moving forward. Uh, so that way, again, no costs are being wasted sort of on uh, products that aren't really actually moving or being sold or being received well by customers. And you're seeing this with a lot of medium to large scale producers that a lot of them have really changed their outlook and their overall strategy of how they're going to capture more market share and how they're going to continue to advance in this industry. And now you're starting to see that as more cannabis retails open up, not only in Canada, but in all throughout North America, um, you're starting to see that sales are obviously going up. Again, we talked many times about how much COVID did positively impact the cannabis industry when it came to being seen as an essential service um, and also to remove a lot of the social stigma that's been surrounding this industry. So I think that over the next two years, um, obviously, in case if there's any other sort of crazy pandemics, this might not be the case. Um, but if everything is going sort of as planned, uh, you will see probably pretty aggressive sales growth for a lot of these companies. And again, because they've reduced their costs, hopefully that should result in much stronger financials for most of these companies. Again, it's not for everybody. There have been some people who have dropped the ball quite hard, even during COVID. Um, but I do think that this type of trend, you're going to start to see more and more as we go into the later quarters of this year. Um, you start seeing more and more of these similar financial results. I think that that will be something that starts to bolster the market and uh, trickles into other parts of the cannabis sector. Next, looking at Cureleaf Holdings Incorporated, as well as B Noble Incorporated, who have announced the launch of the B Noble brand in Massachusetts and Maryland with a national rollout continuing into the fall of this year. Now, B Noble was founded by well-known visual artist, filmmaker, and hip-hop pioneer Fab Five Freddy to raise awareness and create funding to defend people from cannabis-related criminalization. And the brand is dedicated to telling the story of namesake Bernard Noble, who was arrested in Louisiana and sentenced to 13 years hard labor in prison for possession of the equivalent of two joints. In 2017, Bernard's case began to draw attention across the country and he quickly became a national symbol for the need to reform the country's unjust drug laws, sparking advocacy and the movement to free him. As a result, Bernard was released seven years into his sentence. So to call attention to Bernard's harsh sentence, the B Noble brand will partner with Cureleaf. They're doing it on today, 7-13, a day representing the seven years of a 13-year sentence that Bernard served to release two packs of high-quality one-gram pre-rolls symbolizing the two grams of cannabis for which Bernard was arrested. Making the film Grass is Greener for Netflix, I got an in-depth education about the history and truth about cannabis, said Fab Five Freddy. And as the many lies told that led to this vital plant's criminalization and thousands of lives damaged like Bernard Noble's, which became a call to action for me. Now, 10% of the proceeds from the sales of each B. Noble product will be donated to a local organization dedicated to advancing social equity and providing opportunities to those directly impacted by the war on drugs. Massachusetts products will benefit Mass Cultivated, an organization that supports cannabis reform and helps provide pathways towards a successful post-incarceration future. And in Maryland, proceeds will go towards Changing Perceptions, which is an organization working with previously incarcerated individuals to re-enter the workforce. We're incredibly proud to bring this brand of products to market with Bernard Noble and Fab Five Freddy. Bernard's life epitomizes the countless individuals who share his story, and this partnership serves as a reminder of the changes and opportunity that can happen when people work together, said Cureleaf Chief Executive Officer Joe Bayern. Now, we at Cureleaf are thrilled to use our national platform to advance social equity in cannabis and support a brand with such tangible purpose. 
Uh, so pretty cool way to launch a product there. Um, and obviously there's a lot of irony and craziness surrounding Bernard Noble's case, um, as well as the launch of that two one gram joint pre-rolls onto the market, uh, the very thing he was arrested for. When you're looking at Cureleaf's brands, they've always been well received. So hopefully this will go to raise more awareness in the areas where they've been quite successful. Um, you've seen a lot of these programs working with Last Prisoner Project, working with a lot of these support programs um, to try and either rehabilitate or help uh, get incarcerated victims of cannabis crimes out of jail earlier, or at least again, readjust back into the workforce. Um, I do think that this is something that every cannabis company should be doing at all times. Uh, realistically, if they're going to continue to profit off this industry, I think it's in their best interest to at least try to create some sort of social equity or reform towards all the people who are still incarcerated for having, again, such minuscule amounts as two joints. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this goes with Cureleaf just because of their massive brand recognition, their massive footprint. Potentially, this could create um, a little bit more attention towards the ridiculous hypocrisy and insanity surrounding all of these people who are still incarcerated for cannabis crimes as this business continues to generate billions of dollars and expand globally. It does seem fairly preposterous. Um, so I would hope that uh, the B Noble line with Cureleaf will be well received. And again, if you're going off of all their previous brand launches, uh, it most likely will be. And again, could at least create a lot of uh, funding and proceeds to a lot of these organizations that definitely need it. It'll be interesting to see what they do state by state with the other launches as they move out of Massachusetts and Maryland. Last public company announcement today, looking at Pure Extract Technologies Corporation, who announced that its wholly owned subsidiary Pure Mushrooms Corp has submitted a license application to Health Canada's Natural and Non-Prescription Health Products Directorate for a blended functional mushroom wellness product. Now, this application for a blend of Cordyceps, Reishi, and Lion's Mane follows up on the company's successful launch of its Amazon line, online e-commerce store of sales of its Reishi and Maitake formulations. Now, these two products are appealing to both men and women, with 57% of purchases coming from men, 43% from women, and the most sales occurring in California, followed by Florida, then Georgia. Now, the new blended formula provides antioxidants that help protect cells against the oxidative damage caused by free radicals. And it's also used in herbal medicine as a liver tonic to support the immune system as an adaptogen to help increase energy and resistance to stress. Um, the product launch is expected to occur in the fourth quarter of this year. Now, Ben Nikolovsky, the CEO of Pure Extract, remarked, we're excited to be creating our next Pure Mushrooms products for our direct-to-consumer online store. The functional mushroom wellness market is experiencing robust sales as many consumers are trying to boost their immune systems in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. And as we build out our mushroom extraction facility, we plan to bring more products to the market. Um, so really just falling in line there with the functional mushroom trend. Um, very much similar Similar but different um, when you're comparing sort of CBD and cannabis. You see CBD basically in every single product that's imaginable in the States right now and continuing to grow globally. Um, you're seeing a lot of a quick acceptance towards CBD products as opposed to a lot of the skepticism still surrounding THC products that get you high because for some reason people do not like fun on a global scale, which does seem very preposterous. Everyone's scared of getting high, which I don't really understand, but hey, I guess to each his own. 
Um, and now you're starting to see the same thing within the mushroom market where you're looking at psilocybin, um, obviously gaining a lot of attention medically, gaining a lot of information or a lot of attention when it comes to research, when it comes to psychedelic assisted therapy. Um, and really when it comes also to microdosing for uh, there's a lot of potential when you look at Silicon Valley as sort of the petri dish of what can be accomplished from microdosing and having a workforce that's really openly endorsing the microdosing or macrodosing options. Um, you can see massive innovation in technology, programming, efficiency at work, and focus in creative and non-creative areas. So I think that there's a lot of attention on psilocybin, but where you're now seeing is because of all the attention on psilocybin, it's also forced the conversation on functional mushrooms to open up much more widely. And now you're seeing sort of the CBD trend um, that you experienced in cannabis, where as cannabis gained more momentum, suddenly the discussion about CBD was opened up and CBD was everywhere. I would expect the same thing to start playing out with functional mushrooms, um, especially over the next year or so. You're going to start to see functional mushroom blends or adaptogens in a lot of different health and wellness products. I would expect that to start transferring over into the general sort of grocery store products and health food items that you see uh, kind of everywhere in the next year to two years. But you're also seeing the same type of trends, which is massive increase in sales when you compare it to what's going on in the psilocybin space. Obviously, there's a lot more difficulties when it comes to how to be um, sort of financially successful within the psilocybin space at the moment. But for a lot of these companies who are kind of preparing for when that market opens up, when there's more clinics, etc., um, a lot of them are seeing the gateway entry point is working with functional mushrooms now. At least that gives them the ability to work on cultivation techniques, to work on um, product formulation. So that way in the future, um, if there is the option to serve a medical market with psilocybin mushrooms, they can simply take some of those formulas and use psilocybin in substitute of some of the other functional mushrooms they're using or in tandem with them, which would be, I think, the more likely case. Um, but similar to CBD as well, you see a lot of crazy um, over-exaggerations of the potential benefits of these products. Now, there are a lot of real benefits. Cordyceps is a real rabbit hole to go down, especially Cordyceps militaris. When you read the, read the laundry list of potential benefits that that one singular strain can provide, it does seem very much similar to CBD, a little bit of too much to be good, too good to be true. Um, so I know that there will probably be at some point similar to CBD products, some sort of regulatory clampdown when it comes to how products can be marketed, what sort of medical terms can be applied to these products, similar to what you've seen even with health and wellness products in the past. So definitely something to pay attention to, um, but it does seem like very much you're going to start to see CBD and functional mushrooms, uh, not only in combination, but in the very much the same type of product formulations, same type of online and e-commerce stores, as well as then going into brick and re mortar retail. Um, and it'll probably follow a very similar trend, if not a more aggressive trend, just because it's immune focused. Um, and also you compare it with CBD companies, which is uh, another sort of boon on top of that. So next, looking at CanSell, which is the sole mandated cannabis retail training platform in Ontario, announced the initial results of its recent product knowledge expansion partnership with Pax Labs. Now, in an effort to provide thorough vape category leadership and education to cannabis retailers, Pax has created the Pax Certified Education Program, now available to bud tenders, retailers, clinics, partners, and licensed producers across Canada. In addition, CanSell and Pax are pleased to offer authorized bud tenders the opportunity to access Pax Certified through the CanSell platform with the goal of enhancing their product knowledge and furthering the authority, confidence, and knowledge base of participants in advising on cannabis vapor tech and products. 
Now, through this ongoing partnership and PAX certified program, CanSell and PAX Labs will continue to pursue the goal of increased product and vape category knowledge and leadership throughout the industry. Considering the pace of the cannabis industry and the high volume of new products being introduced to the category, education plays an unsurprisingly vital role. Now, the PAX certified program is being well-received, highlighting the importance of category-specific education, in this case, vaporizing, and partnering with CanCell continues to help us reach the bud tenders that inform and co connect directly with their consumers each and every day, stated Sean King, the head of marketing for PAX Canada and International. Um, so a couple things about this, A, the CanCell program, if you've ever actually looked through it, is quite abysmal. The education that they're providing to a lot of these bud tenders is very similar to what we've seen in the serving at right type of industry where you're dealing with um, alcohol for servers. Um, and really, unfortunately, a lot of the education that's being uh, quote unquote given there is quite ineffective and tends to come from a lot of outdated information, it tends to come from a very scared of cannabis perspective. There's a lot of biases in the training that they provide, just like there is in almost every province and training certificate that's out there that is official that's coming out right now. And another big issue that I have with this personal uh, PAX certified education program is PAX has one of the simplest, most basic bitch devices when it comes to vaporizers out there. Um, they're also not really focused on the medical market whatsoever. And another part about this is you're just focusing on recreational products. So the fact that they, you need to have an overabundant education program and a certified education program that does cost money um, for either the cannabis retailers to provide for their bud tenders to use or for the bud tenders themselves to pay for. Uh, and again, the actual education and training you're going to get out of this is quite limited, especially when you consider that PAX compared to a lot of its competitors now is falling behind in certain markets. Um, and again, that there's a lot of issues with the overall using one device as your sort of standard for how you're going to train people. Almost every single vaporizer device uses a different button combination to turn on, to turn off, to operate, etc. Um, so... I guess this will be good for PAX and some of those stores that they partnership that they partnered with CanSell in Ontario. Um, but I do think that there's a lot to be uh, scrutinized and criticized about these types of programs. Um, and again, unfortunately, the education that is being provided is wildly biased. Uh, again, obviously for PAX in this scenario, but also again um, in a sort of anti-cannabis and scared of cannabis mentality, which is what you're seeing still a lot of in the literature and in the training um, that's being provided to a lot of these people who are just entering into the space. And it is the big issue between uh, when you're looking at, for instance, in BC as an example, there's the BC cannabis stores, which are doing terrible as far as product uh, offerings, as far as sales, as far as education of their staff. Um, they're quite embarrassing compared to a lot of the private retailers in the same province. And the big difference is, is that those private retailers are creating their own curated training programs, which actually are based off of the reality of education around cannabis, education around the plant, education around the biology, an understanding of terpene profiles, an understanding of dosage, etc. Um, and they're a lot more in-depth and a lot more elaborate, and it's not as scalable and easy to provide that same information uh, when you're looking at some of these government retailers, which again have just kind of given the bare bones dry education and are lacking in a lot of um, really sort of selling factors um, as well as education factors. So these are things to you should look at, you know, when you're paying attention to how this industry is continuing to develop is again, there's a lot of these official certified programs um, that are quite embarrassing. And there's a lot of sort of private um, 
burgeoning programs that are a lot more in-depth and are kind of more the model that you should be looking at, especially when you look at the US. Um, you can see that this is very much more the effective model that's been built out. And that's where a lot of the sort of, sort of early cannabis Somali certificates are coming from is more the private sector, um, as opposed to working with Health Canada, working with government officials, or working with your local officials if you're in the US. So something to be aware of. Uh, also in re recent news, Atlas Growers Limited is recalling some dried cannabis pre-rolls sold in retailers in Alberta and Northwest Territories and Yukon. So it was three lots of their sour apples full flower um, were flagged by Health Canada after hazards of yeast, mold, and bacteria were identified. And they were sold between December 1st of 2020 and July 7th of this year. According to Health Canada, certain individuals who use the affected dry cannabis may experience allergic symptoms such as sneezing, coughing, itching, and watering eyes, wheezing, running nose, or nasal congestion. Um, now, as of July 8th, no serious reactions have been reported so far, but approximately 11,300 units of the product are effective um, and have been sold at licensed retailers in two territories, as well as medical cannabis by Shoppers Drug Mart, and no specifics were given on which locations sold the affected products. Now, there's a couple issues when you look at this, um, and if you have been paying attention, there are actually a lot of product retails when you're looking at Health Canada specifically that happen quite often. Um, not from one specific company in general, but just from the industry as a whole. And a big issue here is that, again, when you're looking at a lot of these, um, for instance, order managers at a shopper's drug mart or at a retail store, whether these are private or, again, government-owned, the big issue you're finding is that for a lot of them, um, they're not really inspecting their product properly before it goes out onto the floor. And also, they don't really have the option to, once a product's been opened, they cannot look then uh, and resell that product. So obviously, each product that they're opening to try and examine is a complete waste that has to be thrown out. Um, obviously, companies can account for that, but it does create a large issue. And also, again, when it comes to education, a lot of these companies and a lot of these retailers do not have the staff who are educated enough to understand what is the type of uh sort of things you need to look for when you are examining these products uh, mold yeast etc these can be things that can seem somewhat normal when you look at some of the trichomes on the plant obviously um, to a trained eye that would seem quite ridiculous saying that they do look comparable but again to untrained eyes it's actually quite difficult for a lot of these people to tell if they do not have enough experience with plant biology and an understanding of what they should be smelling, looking for, feeling for, etc. And again, most of them do not have the maybe budget to throw away X amount of products with every order received or the time to examine each product individually. And so a lot of this is just being trusted that all these products that are going to be received are going to be perfect. Um, and that's just an impossibility in any industry. No matter what product you're selling, we're still dealing with agricultural product here. So obviously with distillates and extracts, there's a little less likelihood, hopefully, of a product being uh, quote-unquote spoiled. But when you're looking at dry bud and pre-rolls specifically, um, it's quite difficult to know. And pre-rolls as well, they wouldn't rip them apart and look at all the bud individually, but they should. And again, you're seeing this with some small private retailers, and you're not seeing this with a lot of larger brands. And even embarrassingly enough with medical cannabis by Shoppers Drug Mart, which is a huge huge concern when you look at how the medical cannabis industry has been run. Again, I've talked about some of the benefits of medical cannabis by Shoppers Drug Mart in the past, but there are a lot of downfalls as well. When you look at the fact that these are mainly pharmacists who haven't been trained to deal with cannabis, their order manager, again, for this 
any of these stores is not going to be a person who has the sort of expertise that are needed. Um, and really, if anyone was going to be buying and selling this amount of product and dealing with it on a medical basis, specifically with Shoppers Drug Mart, you would hope that they would have went to maybe a year to two years of schooling, understanding the entire growth cycle of the plant, understanding the entire cultivation and processing methodology, understanding extraction methods, etc., just to be able to properly identify products and properly understand if there are any issues before they give these products to medical patients. Um, and as we've seen, I'm sure, again, this does happen probably a lot more than any of us realize, whether you're looking at the U.S. or Canada. And unfortunately, again, this does come down to that a lot of people are still wildly uneducated. Um, and again, a lot of these cert certificate programs that do supposedly offer education um, are not quite as robust as we would hope and do unfortunately gloss over a lot of very essential and much needed information. And lastly, today in a recent article from Global News, the United States Anti-Doping Agency has been reported saying that it wants more flexible rules for athletes who test positive for cannabis after the White House was reported to be seeking a meeting with the World Anti-Doping Agency to discuss easing restrictions. Now, why did this come up? Because it was... Uh, Shakari Richardson, who tested positive for the drug last month at the U.S. Olympic track and field trials. Now, the 21-year-old, who is seen as a top contender for the 100 meters gold at the July 23rd and August 8th Tokyo Games, got a one-month ban, making her ineligible for the U.S. team. Richardson said in an NBC interview that her action came while she was dealing with the news of her death of her mother. And the suspension sparked an outpouring of sympathy, including from President Joe Biden, and calls for a review of anti-doping rules from the White House, according to the Financial Times. Now, obviously, uh, it turns out that it's a bunch of U.S. agencies that are now very concerned that their U.S. athlete isn't going to be attending and potentially winning them a U.S. gold. Very annoying, but hopefully this does force a lot of these U.S. agencies to understand and reconsider the idiocy of trying to test athletes for cannabis as if that is some sort of wild and performance enhancing drug and also as if that's not a drug that all athletes should have access to when it comes to stress release when it comes to cbd products for anti-inflammation when it comes to muscle recovery there are there's a large reason why i often talk about the amount of companies that have sports athletes endorsers to their products whether that be a whole team or an individual athlete there is a continuing growth of so many different athletic communities who are saying that yes cannabis and specifically cbd products are wildly essential to their health regimen to their training programs and can improve qualities of life in a big way and remove one of the biggest factors that affects almost all athletes, which is recovery time and long-term injuries. Um, and again, you could maybe argue that that potentially is performance enhancing because these people will have, um, again, less likeliness to have long-term injuries, to have repeat injuries, and to have a quicker recovery time, potentially. Um, but the gains they're getting from this are very small. They're not a huge percentage. Um, and also, it is an industry that is going global. So I would hope that this is something that starts to be addressed. It'll be interesting to see how both the sort of global doping agencies as well as the U.S. doping agency work together or against each other, depending on if certain countries see this as a significant advantage if they do not have cannabis legal in their country. Um, and obviously, if the U.S. does or Canada does or certain nations do, and you're looking at the Olympics specifically, there could be some advantages to a country that has legalized cannabis or medical cannabis programs versus a country that has strong and restrictive um, rules that are very archaic towards cannabis. And hopefully this will um, 
start to raise the question. I know that they've already mentioned that this year's Olympics and the future Olympics are starting to look at how they view cannabis, how they view cannabis products. There's potentially CBD products that could be advertised in this year's Olympics. So I would hope that this all starts to show how absolutely stupid um, continuing to test athletes or really anybody for cannabis is. Um, again, seeing a big issue as well and just the general workforce and the amount of detox products being sold today, just as more and more people are using cannabis for, again, you look at a long-term driver, um, cannabis on their days off is going to be quite essential to them being more highly functional on their days on as they can then have more rest, more better sleep, deal with sore back pain, deal with sore muscle aches, etc., and then go back on the road and be as effective, if not more so. Um, but again, they're still having the same sort of testing policies that they've had pre-legalization in most parts of the world. And you're seeing that now a lot of these regular people and regular workforce people do not know what to do. So they're having to go and buy extremely expensive and quite uh, annoying and inconvenient detox programs to try to detox before they can go back to work. And a big issue is the cannabis is stored in your fat cells. So even for athletes or again, workforce uh, issues, you're always going to have a difficulty getting completely detoxed from cannabis just because it binds to your fat cells. You could actually detox from meth or crack much faster than you could from cannabis as far as a testing agency would be concerned. So I think this will hopefully raise a lot of these, again, very stupid issues that are still facing the industry as this continues to go global. We still have, again, these archaic laws in certain parts of the world. And the U.S. is not, uh, unfortunately the most advanced in many of the ways that they would like to believe when it comes to cannabis. As much as there is a very much a wild west as far as product development in the U.S., there still are, again, a lot of crazy regulations when it comes to banking, when it comes to access, when it comes to incarceration, um, and again, also when it comes to athletics. So hopefully this would change that direction. That's all for today's podcast. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. That's all for today's podcast. Podcast is now a certified word trademark on the blockchain through Cognate Incorporated CM certification. InvestorIdeas.com podcasts are also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, and TuneIn. If you'd like to be a guest or sponsor of this podcast, please contact InvestorIdeas.com. Investor Ideas reminds all listeners to read our disclaimers and disclosures on the InvestorIdeas.com website. And this podcast is not an endorsement to buy products or services or securities. Investors are reminded that all investments involve risk and possible loss of investment. Investor Ideas does not condone the use of cannabis except where permissible by law. Our site does not possess, distribute, or sell cannabis products. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.